I just don't know if it's appropriate for men right. to be out there and speaking to women about women's issues. I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Is abortion just a woman's issue? Is it appropriate for men to minister to abortion-minded women? Join us as we look at this scripturally and share an awesome testimony at the end. Stay tuned. Send me, Lord, send me, Lord. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Use me, Lord, use me, Lord. Hey there. This is the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. Welcome, everybody. And today we're going to talk about a common thing that we face when we are working out on the sidewalk Mm -hmm. or in pro-life ministry, which is, is it appropriate for men to minister to abortion-determined women? There's a lot of folks that will say no, though you hear it all the time from the so-called pro-choice people that you don't have a uterus, you're not allowed to speak about abortion. Yeah, yeah, you hear that not just from uh, pro-abortion people, but you hear that from even some pro-lifers. I've had Mm -hmm. folks say that, you know, guys say that I'd like to be out there, I just don't know if it's appropriate for men to be out there and speaking to women about Women's issues. Yeah, yeah. Is the way some people will say. Yeah, and honestly, even to be fair, as as we train our new volunteers, we do say that in in most cases we feel it's most effective for women to minister to the women yeah. and men to speak to the men. But I think since I have been doing a little bit of research for this podcast, I may have come to a different conclusion. Yeah. Well, we certainly believe. Mm-hmm. in practice, but also, of course, biblically, that it's not only appropriate for men to minister in, in this capacity, mm-hmm. it's biblical to do so. Mm-hmm. And so we believe that, but, you know, there is some wisdom, and certain, certainly we don't abandon that wisdom as far as when a man's coming into the abortion center, let's say he's brought his girlfriend there, and uh, he's coming out of the abortion center, mm-hmm. And he's going to sit in his car or whatever for a woman to call out and say, hey, be a man and get back in there. It's typically not as effective, not as well received from a woman to a man. Uh, Typically, we prefer for men to minister to men Mm -hmm. in that context. But, well, uh, another example is, like I shared with you before we started this podcast, if a woman is walking down the sidewalk, she's more vulnerable than if she's driving in in a vehicle. Right. And it could be more intimidating if I were to go up and approach, not to say I won't, I, I will, and I have. Right. But if there's a woman there that can get over to her, that's mm-hmm. as she's walking down the sidewalk coming into the abortion center, I'm going to say, hey, go over there and talk to her. Yeah. You know, if there's no one else available, maybe someone that's not very well trained, someone that's kind of new, I'll go and I'll approach and I'll do you know, everything I'd normally do as I'm approaching a woman going in. But I think there's some wisdom that we can use so that we're not, being intimidating. I mean, the goal is we want to have a conversation with these women right. and we want to remove any barriers that would be there. Sure. And so if me being a man would be a barrier potentially, I want to try to remove that in as much as I'm able to just using wisdom. Yeah. And one of the things that I did as I was thinking about this podcast was I, I did a little bit of research into some of the facts about the women who are coming for an abortion and how those truths affect whether they would best receive ministering from a man or for a woman. Yeah. For example, and I think all of us have seen this many 
if not most, abortion-minded women come from broken and even abusive relationships. Yeah, they yeah. come. They come from families without fathers, either a completely absent father or a father who is sometimes in prison or in addiction, or negligent in, yeah, in some way, or out, absent, yeah. right, or or outright abusive. And so, the article specifically that I that I got some of my facts from, we, we will post in in an article that we're going to post on our Sidewalks for Life website. But a peer-reviewed study of abortion-minded women found that a fourth of the women who abort, a fourth, are in abusive relationships. Yeah. So knowing that, just knowing that, you know that that woman is likely perceiving a man with jaded eyes. They're, they're seeing men in, in, in not a good light. Yeah. And we, we're going to talk later on more about how men can overcome that. And the approach to how they approach the woman has to be very careful. Yeah. But, um, but I think that's part of the reason for why we so often hear that, that a, a man should not minister to an abortion-minded woman, and there is certainly validity in that. Yeah. Well, you know, if you're dealing with women who have had aggressive men mm-hmm. in their lives mm-hmm. and in their experience, and let's let's face it, as far as aggression goes, if you do a comparison of whether or not this percentage of men are more aggressive than this percentage of women, I mean, the prison population shows just that, that men yeah. typically are more aggressive. Right. And so that's the perception. And so we have to understand that perception with the women that we're ministering to. Not only is it just a general fact that men are more aggressive, we're dealing with a population of women who have been involved with or have had men in their lives who are more aggressive. Yeah, and literally harmed in in various ways or coerced into the abortion or or whatever. That's why it is important that we, we keep these things in our minds. It shouldn't be a deterrent from us ministering. And that's one of the things, one of the lies we want to tear down right away is that, is it appropriate for men to minister to abortion-minded women? Yes, it is absolutely appropriate. It is the call of God for us. Yeah, so we're giving away the punchline. Yeah, we're giving away the punchline. And so I'll say, yes, it's appropriate and it's necessary, Mm -hmm. but there are some things that we need to consider in this, mm-hmm. and that's really the meat of what we're talking about. Exactly, exactly. Another fact of abortion-minded women is that one in three children in America live in a fatherless home. Yeah. So there's no male role model at all yeah. in, in one out of three families. So these women are coming with very likely abusive or aggressive relationships with men. Or just and then, neglectful. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then with really no role model of what a godly man or, or a father yeah. would, would look like. So it would be, I think, very safe to conclude that there would be trust issues. Absolutely. So if we want to be effective, and that's, all, that's of course, always primary in, in our, we want to first of all represent God, but we also do want to be effective in, in saving these babies yeah. and reaching yeah. these moms. And if, if they don't trust us, then you're probably not going to be effective. Yeah, and, and that's maybe a subject for a whole other podcast, mm-hmm. but the yeah. issue of trust mm-hmm. 
is an important one. And so just to lay it out just real succinctly, if I can, Mm -hmm. women are coming to abortion clinics because they trust that abortion, that the abortion clinic, that the abortionist is going to fix what's broken in their life. There's a certain amount of trust. Now, of course, we know it's 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 mixed in with all these different components. Mm-hmm. But there is a, an issue of trust where they've invested trust. I mean, they've got the money in their hand. They've made the appointment. They've invested trust in that abortion clinic, so much so that they're going to go in there and submit themselves to a, to a very invasive procedure. Right put themselves in the most vulnerable position that a woman could be in physically, mm-hmm. undressed from the waist down, mm-hmm. feet up in the stirrups. I mean, yeah. not to get too graphic about it, but that's yeah. the reality of it. And so they've placed their trust in abortion to the point where they're willing to do certain things to to convey that trust, right? What we're trying to do as sidewalk counselors, man or woman sidewalk counselors, we're trying to get them and convince them, hey, the trust that you put in that abortion clinic, don't invest your trust there. Invest your trust here right. and ultimately it's in the Lord yeah but it's also in us I mean yeah. we're representatives of God mm-hmm. and so we want them to to trust rather than the abortion clinic we want them to trust us and so that's the attitude we need to understand that we've got to come with that this is a trust thing ultimately again we want to turn them to trust the Lord you know yeah. trust in the Lord with all of your heart that's a scripture I use on a regular basis yeah um, and so anything that that we might do any disposition we might have, that would compromise that trust we need to be careful for. Yeah, I I agree totally. And, and to piggyback off of that thought to even a, 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 a deeper level, when you said, ultimately we want them to put their trust in God. Well, Think of that. Their role model of their earthly father is very distorted. Yeah. Or absent or very negative. And so what we're ultimately, as a gospel-focused pro-life ministry, we are ultimately asking them to to put their trust in God, but their image of God is often distorted by their yeah. image of who their earth, earthly father was. And so that is one of the things that I think makes the necessity— of a godly man out on the sidewalk speaking life and being a role model of what a man, as God designed him to be a protector of women and children, that is a really critical picture for them to see. Yeah, so almost in one sense, we're we're talking about the positives and the negatives, right? Mm -hmm. So it's we need to be careful the way that we we come across and that sort of thing, but because... The way we come across could have a negative impact. They may not stop and talk. They right. may reject what we're saying. Yeah. But also, it can have a very positive impact when we come in a humble, but also in a protective demeanor. Those things are important in the, in the, the body language and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And people pick up on that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we need to be intentional in, in that sort of thing. I mean, it's just simply put again, man or a woman, we need to have an approachable demeanor. Right. We need to have a smile on our face, not to be yeah. all gruff. I and mean, it is an abortion clinic when we're doing, you know, abortion clinic ministry, right? It, it's hard to have a smile on your face because they're yeah. killing children in there, right. but we need to, yeah, because the demeanor on our face and the body language goes a long way. But I will say, especially for men, when we're trying to reach women going into the abortion clinic, mm-hmm. I mean, our our disposition, our demeanor, yeah. goes a long way to yeah. to help get some of that trust. Right, right. You know, they they have certainly experienced shaming, coercion, anger, 
and even abuse at the hands of men quite often, not always, but quite often. That's the story that that I certainly hear from the women who talk with us. So that's the last thing they should see from yeah. the men that are yeah, reaching out You know, out it's to not them. like when we're talking about this, it's not like we're coming... I mean, statistics and, and reading articles is, is fine, and we should do that, but we're not just coming from something we've read. This is f- experience. You know, I've been out right. there for 15 years. Yeah. You've been out there for seven, seven, now, seven like years yeah. and talked to probably, I mean, hundreds, maybe yeah, thousands, thousands of, of women, women. Mm-hmm. coming into the abortion center in various ways, either talking to them as they're walking up or as they pull over and talk or on the mobile ultrasound unit where right. you're able to get more in-depth talking to them afterwards on the phone. You know, I've been involved in situations and in family situations with some of the moms that have chosen life. And I've seen some of the difficulties, some of the struggles, but I've also seen some of what God will use to try to, you know, to, to, to break into that situation using myself and other men to break into those situations and really bring truth and, and life, not just for the baby, but for the mom as well. Yeah. So we're speaking from from experience and what God has done. Right. And we'll get into a l- little bit more of that later yeah. on. Yeah. And of course, as in all of our gospel-centered pro-life podcasts, we turn to the Bible yeah. for truth. And so the Bible is, of course, filled with evidence that men ministered to women and women in sexual sin, which yeah. I would consider abortion, sexual sin, and well, and the, more. the result of sexual sin, or well, abortion the is the result often. of sexual sin a mm-hmm. lot of times, and mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, many, many, many of the situations that we speak to that we experience are women and men who are having sex outside of marriage. Right. I mean, if if sex outside of marriage didn't exist, abortion likely would not exist. Right, right. <laughs> that's the reality of it. And so that's and, why it's important that we, we you know, bring that into the equation, biblically speaking. Yeah. Do men in the Bible ever address women in sexual sin situations, in difficult situations like what we encounter at the abortion centers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and of course the prime model of that is Jesus. Yeah. We are to we are to model our lives after Jesus. Men and women are to model our lives after Jesus, but Jesus ministers to women so often in the Bible and always they are women, well not always, most of the time they are they are women that are involved in some sort of sin if not sexual sin. Yeah. And how he ministers to them I think is just really telling and and helpful. I think so. For us, but we're going to go over some specific examples of when Jesus ministers to women and it's not a comprehensive list at all, but it it's it'll give a sense of how often he does minister to yeah. women. And one of the things which maybe you can speak more knowledgeably than me to is just that women were not considered a- as valuable or worthy as men. And yeah. just the mere fact that Jesus would stoop to talk to women was unusual yeah. in, in that yeah. culture. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, John chapter 4, the woman of Samaria, the woman at the well, I mean, right. not only did Jesus kind of breach cultural norms by talking to a woman, mm-hmm. but talking to a woman who had so many husbands and right. was pretty promiscuous, Yeah, uh, it seemed, and also a Samaritan yeah. <laughs> at that. An so, enemy of the Jews. Yeah. Right? yeah. So Jesus breaches all those cur- cultural mm-hmm. norms yeah. 
Boss speaking to this woman, and he speaks some some really important truth to her, and she ends right. up. We talked about this in previous podcasts. Yeah. This is awesome passage of scripture, so yeah. we'll probably touch on it <laughs> throughout. It's so ne- appropriate next, for this yeah. for our podcast. It is, it is. But she goes and she's an evangelist for yeah. for Jesus in that sense in her city. Right. So it is appropriate. We see in that passage. That's probably one of the passages that it is. That it's one mentioned. that that we'll mention. So we're going to go over the specific examples, but some of the guiding principles, I think it's always good to kind of give a a gist of what are the main points that are raised in these passages. And these were the things I came up with. Maybe you'll come up with other ones. But number one, Jesus's goal in ministering to women women is always to point them to the Heavenly Father. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Uh, Number two, his method is always conviction, not condemnation. And in fact, he says, I come not to condemn, but to save. Yeah. So, but he does want to convict and he does convict. He uses truth to convict, but, but I think notably not to condemn. Uh, number three, he always values them as people, no matter how serious their sin is. He always addresses them as, as worthy human beings and and valuable. Not getting off track too much, Mm -hmm. but uh, Jesus' ministry was marked by the fact that he had women in his company of of disciples. Right. I mean, they weren't any of the apostles, weren't women, yeah. we know yeah. that. But there were several women that came along with Jesus, and we see that throughout all of the Gospels. Yep. Jesus did not exclude women mm-hmm. from his ministry didn't exclude them from ministering to them, but also he didn't exclude them from following him and, mm-hmm. and learning from him and all of that in the upper room. Yeah. When the Holy Spirit came down, this is after Jesus, of course, was crucified and resurrected and, and ascended to heaven, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit came down. There were women in the midst there. Yeah. And so Jesus' ministry was marked by, and even the apostles' ministry. My quiet time before the Lord in the mornings, lately I've been reading the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. And all through the book of Acts, you'll see that there were notable women that came through the ministry of Paul and, and the apostles. Yeah. yeah, And so women certainly were a part of the ministry, and certainly men in Jesus' time, though maybe not normally would reach out to women, Jesus certainly did, the apostles certainly did, mm-hmm. because the gospel, you know, Paul says at one point there's neither male nor female, doesn't mean that all the male and female distinctions are removed, but it does mean that the gospel is for everybody. Right. Yeah, and, and so yeah, I mean that's value. that's shown forth in Jesus' ministry. Yeah, uh, the fourth kind of guiding principle that I I leaned from going over these was that that Jesus always offers a better way with a positive outcome, and that kind of goes along with condemnation. It's not condemnation. There is a a game plan, an alternative, and that alternative is a very positive one. And, you know, just kind of as a side note, I think men are kind of wired differently than women, and that men are wired, I believe, to solve problems. They're not so much into talking the way women are, but they, at, my husband is a, a a great example of that. There are times I just want to vent, mm-hmm. but he wants to solve. Right, yeah. But in the case of in front of an abortion center, that's not a bad thing to have. No, it's not at all. Someone who's got a solution, who's going to point you, because Jesus did. Jesus didn't spend a lot of time, like, with the touchy-feely chatting. Mm-hmm. He spent a lot of time about, this is what's 
wrong. This is what's right. And here is where it leads to this positive outcome. Yeah. So the fifth thing is that he always loves unconditionally without compromising the expectation of repentance and resulting changed behavior. So it sounds like we're, we're being very careful to say men should not be too aggressive or, or certainly not abusive. But we're not saying that they should refrain from boldly speaking the truth. Yeah. I mean, the one example that comes to mind for me, which is, again, probably another one of the scriptures right. that you're going to touch on, yeah. is a woman that was caught in adultery. Right. Exactly. And Jesus came to her defense mm-hmm. in the sense that he told those who wanted to stone her to death, he, he was without sin, cast the first stone. So he sort of turned it around on them. Yeah. But he didn't, I mean, he wasn't some effeminate pansy that didn't point out the truth. Right. He said, he was in no way condoning adultery. He says, where are your accusers? They're nowhere to be found. Okay. And he tells her, go and sin no more. So he acknowledges her sin. He Mm -hmm. doesn't just say, well, it's no big deal. Keep on, you know, keep Mm -hmm. on keeping on. No, he pointed out her sin and told her to stop doing it. Yeah. (laughs) And he did it, you know... uh, he did it so succinctly. Uh-huh. There, he didn't like waste a lot of words, but in those few words, go and sin no more. He exposed it as sin. He told her to turn from it, basically yeah. to repent. And he said, go. Now move on with your life. All in what? Seven words. How yeah. many women can do that? Just right, <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Just in general, I think men tend to be less wordy. Jesus I think was so. not. I think so. He was not wordy. Yeah. He, he, but yeah, he was so, truthful. So one of the things we're, we're talking about, just like we talked about a couple of podcasts ago about how the body of Christ works together, there are different components and, and different folks with different giftings and different callings and all that yeah. sort of thing, and God uses all that. In the same way, God uses both men and women mm-hmm. on the sidewalks to minister to abortion-minded women in our different strengths and in our different weaknesses. Yeah. I think probably, because I think it would be inappropriate for a man to go on board the mobile ultrasound unit with a woman and well, her get the ultrasound Well, that's a little different because they're half right. undressed. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be totally inappropriate. Right. However, just the scenario itself it might not be a, a scenario in which men will thri- uh, thrive yeah. so well because yeah. that's when you do get into the meat of the thing. It's, you're not just given solutions. You're talking about the situations. You're hearing them out and all that. You get more yeah. in depth with the conversations. Well, that's a good now, point because a big part of the RV experience where we bring the women on to show them the ultrasound of their baby is is that we listen to them. Yeah, Huge, really important. Yes, yeah. you build a relationship and you hear them so that they feel heard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not to say that, of course, we don't want to broad brush. Some men are more inclined right. to want to talk at right. length than, than others. Right. But it does seem to be a pretty general principle that men want to fix things. I mean, yeah. that, that's the case for me. Mm-hmm. The Lord has helped me tremendously, I think, mm-hmm. um, through this ministry and through just learning from my wife mm-hmm. to listen, to be an mm-hmm. ear. And I don't always have to solve problems. Sometimes mm-hmm. I just need to listen. So, mm-hmm. But it does seem generally men are just problem solvers. We hear yeah. a problem. Yeah. Here you go. Here's a plan. Yeah. And yeah. in this scenario, it can be a good thing. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. So then the the last kind of guiding principle, and then maybe we could talk about some of those specific examples, okay. is that Jesus often meets physical and other needs, but again, always with the spiritual counterpart of the primary goal being a right relationship with God. So the men out there at, at an abortion center godly pro-life men on the sidewalk can be offering to meet 
the needs that these women have expressed, just as just like the women can offer that. But the goal in both cases, and certainly in Jesus' case, was that always healing and meeting needs yeah. was to lead to a right relationship with God. Yeah, and to keep. I mean, that redemption, primary. the ministry of a sidewalk counselor ministry, if you guys listen and minister in a pregnancy center or whatever context, yeah. it's always redemptive. Yeah. Right? The desire is always redemption. Mm-hmm. It's always to take a bad situation mm-hmm. and allow God to redeem that situation. Mm-hmm. And of course, that won't happen unless the gospel is plainly laid out. Right. And that can be done in a, in a way that is not, you know, you don't have to be overly aggressive to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've ever seen which we've encouraged you guys in the past to do is watch some of Ray Comfort's videos. Yeah. You don't see an aggressive man. Right. <laughs> you know, you see Ray Comfort yeah. sharing the gospel very, very forthrightly, mm-hmm. but very tactfully and mm-hmm. all that with men and women alike. Mm-hmm. And that's, to me, a good model of sharing the gospel. Yeah, totally. Because, you know, some people might have in their mind, the reason why I say that is because some people might have in their mind because they've seen videos on YouTube or whatever of people, men in front of abortion clinics just being like, I guess, overtly aggressive and just mm-hmm. calling out sin and whatever. People, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not the critic of that. Mm-hmm. But don't be surprised if you do that. You know, if you stand on a stool in front of the abortion clinic like a street preacher, don't be surprised if very few women come over and talk to you because right. you're not putting yourself in a position for them to actually come over and talk to you. Right. God will use, I mean, God's word doesn't return void. God will mm-hmm. use that that preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway. Yeah. Won't rabbit trail on that. Yeah. So let's get into some of the specifics, maybe, then. Okay. Some, some of when Jesus encounters women. Okay. How about in Mark 5, 25 to 34? Okay. That's the woman who has been sick with a bleeding disease, I believe. Okay, yeah. For years. And she touches his robe. And in that passage, she has a significant health need. She's unclean, by the way. Right, In the yeah. eyes of Jewish law. At the time, because she has this flow of blood, and that made her unclean. So she should not have touched Jesus, according to Jewish law. Oh, yeah. She and I think, right, right I think out of the, the disciples, there. I can't remember if they rebuked her. No, no, they didn't rebuke him, actually, or rebuke her, actually. They sort of rebuked Jesus when Jesus said, you know, who touched me? And they said, you ask who touched like, me? And there's a crowd, a crowd all around, around him. Jesus, That's right. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, but he doesn't rebuke her and say, why did you touch yeah, me? Yeah, why did you break Jewish law? You touched exactly. me, you woman, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Yeah. And in fact, he commends her and says that her faith has saved her. Yeah. So he, he looks at this desperate woman, and he's gentle, he's kind, and co- even commends her, her attempt to be healed. Yeah, her successful attempt. And it was <laughs> yeah, successful. Absolutely. And I think that's a great model in in terms of what's happening out in front of the abortion center in that he looks for the positive in a way. Yeah. He, he doesn't look at the obvious infraction of which there was in that time period. Yeah. But he looks for something that he commend her. Yeah, as a matter for. of fact, I'll read. Uh, this is Mark five verse thirty four. Okay. And he, this Jesus, mm-hmm. said to her, "Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction." And he addresses mm-hmm. her as as daughter. Yeah. And that's a 
powerful term of endearment there. Mm -hmm. He doesn't rebuke her again, like you said, Mm -hmm. for breaking the Jewish law, because that would be she has a flow of blood. Right. And she would be breaking because she's unclean, the Jewish law. And him being very God in the flesh, Mm -hmm. who established that law, could have rightly rebuked her, but he didn't. He says, daughter, he calls her daughter. Your yeah. faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus yeah. meets her very graciously in that situation. And immediately and, connects it to a spiritual. It was her faith yeah. that made her well. Yeah. So not direct application of what we're dealing with as far as abortion-minded women. They're coming with a, quite a different disposition. But yet still it's notable that Jesus was gracious to her even though she did you know, break that one Jewish law. Right. But there is another slight way that we could draw that even closer to the population of women coming to an abortion center in that she was disdained and overlooked because she was unclean. Uh But Jesus breaks through those barriers. And there are certainly people that just want to scream at abortion-minded women um, because they're doing something awful. And it is awful. It is evil. Absolutely. But, But we need to look past that sometimes to... How can we heal? Yeah. How can we help? Okay. How about the woman who was crippled and bent double by demons? And that's in Luke 13, verses 10 to 17. So in that story, just in, in general, the woman has been crippled. It says by evil spirits yeah. for 18 years. And Jesus ultimately sets her free from her infirmity, laying hands on her. She immediately straightens up, and as a result praises God. So he meets her needs. The result is to draw her out of evil control. These satanic, she's bound by Satan, he says. She's been bound by Satan for 18 years, and then he delivers her to God. And I I would suggest that these abortion-minded women are, in a sense, bound by Satan. Yeah, they've been bound by lies from the devil. Right. They've been bound by fear, which Mm -hmm. is a a thing that we need to understand. Mm Mm-hmm. And we wrote an article about that right. on our yeah. Sidewalks for Life site, how women, women come under a spirit of fear. And so yeah. there's that spirit of fear they're under. So we need to come with that understanding for yeah. sure. Yeah. And and how Jesus deals with her is is he sets her free, laying hands on her. Again, there's this, this touch, mm-hmm. a, a, a gentle and compassionate touch that, again, meets the needs, but it points her to to God and so the general principle I think for all men and all women ministering at an abortion center is everything you do needs to ultimately keep pointing someone compassionately keep pointing them to God yeah so the woman caught in adultery that's a big one that's probably the one that most fits the parallel of of what we face yeah as in pro-life ministry. So that's in John 7, verse 53, and goes through John 8, verse 11. And, and in, that, in that story, we've mentioned it many times, she's caught in the act of adultery. Now, here's an interesting thing. According to Jewish law, both the adulterous man and woman were supposed to be brought to justice, brought right, before, yeah. but where's the man? Of course, yeah. He's he's not, he's, <laughs> he's not been included in the equation no. here. And, of course, their motivation is not about justice. Right. Um, not even upholding the law 
Yeah. Their motivation, it tells us in the scripture, in order to trap Jesus. Right. You get him trapped right. in a scenario in which he'll say that she should be condemned yeah. or that she should not be condemned. Yeah, yeah. And of course, Jesus, in his awesome wisdom, outsmarts those guys yes. and brings truth to her as well. It yeah. can't be forgotten that Jesus didn't just glaze over her sin. Yeah. Jesus focused on that sin and told her to stop doing it, repent. Right, right. yeah. Showed her mercy for sure, but also showed her truth. Yeah, and love and truth, and I think that's that's how I summarized that passage. Is she expects condemnation, mm-hmm. shaming, even death? Yeah, for according to Jewish law, for what she had done, I'm sure she was expecting. She's brought in front of this great man who yeah. certainly knows scripture. Yeah, this rabbi who's everybody's talking about, and and I'm sure there's and some y- concern on her part that she's going to be stoned to death. Yeah, and yet, how does he treat her? Is it condemning? Is it shaming? Is it threatening death? No. Not it was all. It was gracious, mm-hmm. uh, compassionate, but again, mm-hmm. forthright and truthful. Yeah, yeah. And and so she, we, we I guess we don't know what happened to her. We don't know if she went and sinned no more. I don't think we're told. No, we're not told in right. church history. Didn't, yeah. didn't have her yeah. as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Any stories about her. But we can assume with that encounter with Jesus, that she went and, and obeyed Jesus and yeah. maybe was one of the, the disciples that that followed Jesus yeah. in the, the coming months and years. Yeah, but. and I think it's one of the, the most beautiful passages as, as an example for men ministering to women is they are expecting condemnation from yeah. you. They are. And if that's what they hear, you you have become the problem. I think at that point, honestly, yeah. because they're you, you're you're exactly what they expected, but that's not what Jesus modeled. He modeled kindness, compassion, truth, forthrightness, and and love. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, along with truth. So then, um, uh, maybe the last one that we have time for. You want to do just one more? Yeah. Okay, so the last one is in Luke 7, verses 36 to 50. And that's about the prostitute who anoints Jesus prior to his crucifixion. She's a sinful woman. That is certainly suggested, probably a prostitute. She anoints Jesus' feet with her tears and ointment. And those that are with Jesus are appalled right, on yeah. several levels. That, first of all, what's he doing interacting at all with this woman of ill repute? And she's touching him. And they're just appalled that he, he would let her touch him and even say, don't you know who this is? Right, that, yeah. That is touching Yeah, I mean, him. at one point, so in verse 39, it says, Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself, so he just said this in his own heart. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. So yeah. she's a filthy woman yeah. in this man's eyes. And if Jesus was any kind of a prophet, like people are saying, or like he claims to be, then he would know this woman. That right. She shouldn't be touching him. So isn't that interesting that he's questioning even the even who Jesus is based on the fact that he's interacting with this sinful woman. I think that that can clearly has applications for yeah. for what we do. We are not only associating with clearly sinful women. They're about to kill their babies, but we are offering them 
I hope, a similar sort of response as Jesus offers. Yeah. Yeah. So from the perspective of this Pharisee, he wants Jesus to, in his eyes, do the right thing and push this woman to the side and say, get out of here. Yeah. But Jesus turns it on him and actually gives a parable and talks about, you know, basically a man was owed this much money and was forgiven this much money, and another man was owed this much money and was forgiven this much money. Who you think would love the guy that forgave the debt mm-hmm. more? Well, mm-hmm. the one who was forgiven more, right? right. And he's yeah. saying, this woman, yeah, you might be a righteous Pharisee that has never broken the law or whatever, and she's, a, you know, in your eyes, a filthy prostitute, and yet she's had an encounter with me. Obviously, she, I would say, knew who Jesus was way before yeah. this incident. She didn't just yeah. come in all of a sudden. She'd had an encounter with Jesus before, mm-hmm. and she'd seen his mercy and the forgiveness that he offers and she loved him much because she was forgiven much. Mm-hmm. Jesus gives her mercy and uses that as an opportunity to show others that God is merciful. That yeah. Those who humbly repent, God shows mercy to. Now, again, the scenario is, is a bit different because we're encountering women going into the abortion center who haven't yet repented. Correct. However, we want them to, mm-hmm. right? We want to have a conversation with them. We want to talk to them about the Lord and talk to them about the resources and things that would help them not to go in there and and, and do what they'd come to do. Um, but again, our disposition should be like Jesus mm-hmm. in one of receptivity. We want to be received mm-hmm. in what we're saying, right? Yeah, exactly. And I have seen the fruit of our ministry bring me a woman, not just me, all of us, a woman who is so grateful yeah that she responds in a like sort of way just with so much gratitude and love and turning to god then with so much faith because she has been forgiven of so much that she knows was wrong and and evil and sinful and and, yeah and, and in fact i know daniel you have uh, a really wonderful experience of, of someone who really came to that point of repentance. Yeah. Yeah, and this was not too many weeks ago. We'd shared mm-hmm. it on our blog. We shared it in an email send out. And this is a young lady who came to the abortion center. Right. And some of you, if you've read our email send outs, it's the young lady who said, I'm going in for a refund. Well, initially, yeah. Yeah. you know, I had poured my heart out to her. I'd spoken to her for, well, you know, I'll just kind of give you the layout. She had gone into the abortion center, mm-hmm. and this because of the COVID-19 stuff. They were telling them to go back outside and wait in their cars. So she comes out, and this is on a Saturday. So it's pretty crazy out it's there on Saturdays. There's police day. officers there. Yeah. There's even pro-abortion people there. At that time, thankfully, there were not pro-abortion people there. Mm-hmm. Um, but she goes, and she's sitting or standing beside her car. And I called out to her. I said, hey, just come over here and talk with us. Just come and take my information. Right. And initially she was like, no, I don't need what you have. I'm, I'm okay. Right. And I said something to the effect of, well, you're not okay. You're at an abortion clinic. What I have will be really helpful. Just come over and take the information. Yeah. And I, you know, I make sure my tone is a gracious tone. Mm-hmm. And I think tone does matter. Some people might downplay that. But, you know, we say in our trainings, your tone will set the tone. If you have an angry tone, Hey, come over here and talk to me. They're pr- typically not going to reciprocate a, right. a nice with a nice tone. They're going to be angry as well. Right. And so anyway, I just talked to her real graciously, but forthrightly. And I said, just come over and take the information. It's not going to hurt for you to have information. Mm-hmm. She said, okay, I'll come and get it. So she came over and she took the information, our little brochure that we hand out. And, and I went right into, okay, so 
what's going on in your life? What makes you feel like this is an option for you? And she started pouring out her heart. And listen, I've had people, I've had women either stopping car side as they're going into the abortion center, coming out of the abortion center, and all kinds of scenarios, share with me things that I'm like, that's <laughs> TMI, too much information. I don't need to right. know that. But I just roll with it. Yeah. If they're going to pour it out, yeah. I'm going to listen, yeah. and I'm going to try to just bring God, of course, into the equation. And that's what right. I did in that situation. Right. She shared some of about, like we talked about before, the the boyfriend or actually it wasn't even her boyfriend. It was kind of a one-night stand thing. Yeah. But the guy who she was pregnant by was a dirtbag. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. word she used. He's a dirtbag. Yeah. And so I got into that. And I talked about how God saves dirtbags. And I used to be a dirtbag <laughs> and what God did in my life and shared my testimony. Uh-huh. Um, and then she shared some of the other things and struggles and, yeah. and all that was going on. And you know, by God's grace, was able to talk to her. And some others came along. Some ladies came along. One lady, that, or one of our volunteers who's post-abortive and yeah. shared. And one of the things that she said, because I talked to her, the, the young lady we were ministering to, about the regret that comes from abortion. And she said, well, I'm, first she started out with, I'm afraid I'm going to regret if I have this baby, I'm going to regret it. Because mm-hmm. I don't want to bring this baby into a situation where it doesn't know its dad. I was like, I understand yeah, that. Yeah. But I said, you know, understand that if you have the abortion, you're going to regret that. Right. And she said, well, I know I'll regret that. And so I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. so you have a scenario in which you might regret having the the baby, and then a scenario that you know you're going to regret having the abortion. Yeah. Why not? You know, I'm just kind of not a sales pitch, but I'm like, hey, just weigh this thing out. Yeah. Well, you're being very logical and very truthful and following the biblical guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing great so far. Yeah. So (laughs) thus far, doing fine, I guess. Well, it came to a point where I think I had given her everything I could and, and right. just kind of spelled it out to her and let her know the help and the resources that are available. And she said, well, I got a friend who's who's trying to talk me into not having the abortion, too. I'm going to go to my car and I'm going to call her. So mm-hmm. she went, called her. And then she came back out and talked a little bit more and shared some more stuff with her. And then she said, okay, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And so she went over to her car mm-hmm. and then I was just praying, God, please get in your car. Drive, drive away. away from here. <laughs> get in your car. I was just praying, yeah. God, please get a hold of her heart. Make sure, just don't let her go in that abortion clinic, Lord. I'm praying, because you know how it is. When you've yeah, poured yeah. your heart out, and it's like yeah. your heart is invested in this person. And I just knew for her, if she had the abortion, it would destroy her, because right. she knew the right thing. Yeah. She had every reason. I mean, as we talk through it, and the way that she believed in God, Mm-hmm. And the way that God had arranged things, even though the guy was a dirtbag, she had a good job. She had yeah. an apartment with an extra bedroom, you know, and she was talking about how maybe that would be a bedroom for the child. I was like, yeah, you see how God... Yeah. Anyway, she went back to her car at this point, and then I started seeing her walk into the door of the abortion center. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I've seen that walk before, yeah. right? And we and all, I'm like, yeah. oh, we all like, just <laughs> shrivel up yes, like we've man. given all we had to give. But as she's walking to the door, I called out mm-hmm. to her, I called out her name. And I said, you don't want to go in there. Please don't do this. And she turns around and says, oh, I'm not. I'm going in for a refund. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> and then rejoicing broke out on the sidewalk. Right, Ultimately, right. she came out of the abortion center. She went and got her money back, got her ID back. Yeah. Came out of the abortion center um, parking lot and stopped at the driveway. And we pointed her over to the mobile ultrasound unit. And my wife and Sarah were able to minister her. Those are, my wife is the nurse and Sarah was the counselor on board that day. Uh, ministered to her. She saw her baby on the ultrasound. They shared the gospel with her. She gave her heart to Jesus. Wow. And, uh, you know, so that's just one story of many where I've seen men in this situation. God used me yeah. very graciously, yeah. but I've seen him use other men mm-hmm. and ministering to women at the abortion center. And actually, she came back 
that next Friday, so this was a Saturday, and so that next Friday, almost a week later, she came back with a gift basket for me and a card yeah. that said this. I had I don't a beautiful read this. card. I'm looking yeah, at it. She, you all she, can't she, see it, but it's hand illustrated. It's just beautiful. Yeah, and I'd put it out on our Cities for Life Facebook yeah, she can uh, public see page it. so you guys can right. see, it, see it, Charlotte Cities for Life um, Facebook. But here's what it says. It says, there's really not any words to describe the impact you've made. I knew the right decision. I just needed a little push. And you were that other voice I was seeking to hear from other than my own. Thank mm-hmm. you. And so this, she was just needing a voice. And guys, I want to encourage you, men. Yeah. You can be a voice. That's just from my experience. But I'm telling you, I've seen it in other men. I've seen God use men in these situations uh, awesomely. I've yeah. seen God do amazing things through men and women on the sidewalk. So is it appropriate for men? Is it okay for men to minister to abortion-minded women? Guys, it's necessary. Yeah, (laughs) it's not just okay. It's necessary. God will use you. Mm -hmm. Now, your, your, your demeanor and your disposition, they do matter. But even if that needs to be honed a little bit, God will work. God's worked on me massively. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be a lot more, I don't know, aggressive. I wasn't that aggressive, but I used to be, I used to say things before that I don't say now yeah. because they're just not helpful in that scenario. I won't give any examples because I don't want to embarrass myself, but <laughs> you know, I'm careful with the words that I say. I want to be approachable. I mean, that's basically what yeah. it is. Yeah. I want to be approachable. And so guys, as you're ministering this capacity, I want to encourage you. Mm-hmm. But also want to encourage you, listen, if there's some things you can kind of reel in a little bit, some things you can hone, some things you can take from the example of Jesus and apply those principles, do it, and God will use you. And uh, so with that, I think we'll we'll wrap this thing yeah. up. This is a yeah. blessing to share this with you guys, a blessing that you guys are listening to this podcast. It'd be a real blessing if you would share this podcast, share it mm-hmm. on social media, um, and let folks know. Some of the things that you heard, some of the things that were helpful, let us know. Reach out to me, dparks at citiesforlife.com. Uh, you can reach out to Vicki, vcassiorg at citiesforlife.com. Go to our Sidewalks for Life website. Hopefully we'll have an article up in, in, in a mm-hmm. couple of days mm-hmm. um, that talks about this. And uh, again, hopefully this was a blessing and encouragement to you guys. But until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you